You're good. Um, good morning. Uh, really uh, excited to be with you guys this morning. I think um, I think God's going to speak to us in a good way this morning. Can we pray real quick? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, as we open your word today, Lord, uh, speak to our hearts. Where there, where there is sin in our lives, make that clear to us, Father. Let us be quick to confess, quick to repent, Father, quick to trust in your gospel. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this passage this morning in Galatians 5, and I especially love, and what stuck me all week long is that first verse. For freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. It's so clear. It's so clear. Many times we, we go through this thing when we want to know what the will of God is, right? God, what is your will for my life? What do I do here? What do I do here? The will of God for your life is freedom. The will of God for your life is to enjoy freedom in Christ Jesus. That is the will of God for your life. And sometimes I wonder, I think I know this from my own heart, we spend more time praying on our circumstances, God directing those, instead of praying, as we see here in this, in this passage, to stand firm in our freedom. The cry of a, of a Christian heart should be this cry that we stand firm in our freedom in Christ Jesus. Not just prayers for circumstances, those are fine to do and good to do, but to, to pray, to resolve, to stand firm in our freedom. I heard an illustration this week about this. I thought it was really good. Uh, imagine, I have a son named Connor. He's two years old. Um, imagine me and Connor for a second. Uh, it's, it's after dinner time, and we go, we go sit down, and we get some blocks out. Uh, he loves blocks. I'm okay with blocks. And we get these blocks out, and we start to play with them. But it becomes about 7, 7.30, uh, bedtime comes, and we need to pick these blocks up. We need to clean up and put them away. So I have kind of two options here to how to do this. One, uh, what I do most of the time is to say, Connor, get this done right now before you go to bed. If not, you will be in trouble. And guess what? I'm pretty scary, guys. I am really scary, as you can imagine. And, and so there's this idea of there is this job to do, this task to do, this responsibility to do. And I tell Connor to do it or there will be punishment. Now, the other option is just right here is for Connor to say, Daddy, will you help me? For me to give Connor this responsibility and then Connor look at me and say, Daddy, will you help me? And in that moment, I could get down on my hands and knees, look him in the eye, and help him pick up his blocks. It's more enjoyable. We laugh together. He has help. Because the truth is, Connor's not very tall, and we put blocks in the top of the closet. So honestly, it's a task that Connor can't even accomplish by himself. And so in a sense here, Connor kind of has, we have two options. Which response do you think would give Connor more freedom? And which response for me would put Connor almost in slavery, in bondage to a task he can't finish by himself? Scared of punishment from a father. Well, the, the answer there is a second option. 
And so here's, here's, here's the key. The key to freedom is whether we have to do the work ourselves to escape punishment or whether our Father comes down to be with us and help us. Because today's passage is really two themes. It's slavery versus freedom. So what is slavery? In a biblical sense, slavery is this right here. It's us trying to, to, to finish a job, accomplish a thing that we can't possibly accomplish and that Jesus has already accomplished for us. That is slavery. And many of you here, either you're blind to this, you have never heard the gospel. You've never received and believed the gospel. So you're here and you're worn out. You're tired. Your life is a mess. Well, here is the good news. Jesus came to set captives free. That is good news for us this morning. Some of you here, you are free, but you live like a slave still. You live under bondage still, but you're free. And the good news for you today is to receive this good news of who you are, which is a son and a daughter in Christ Jesus. So we have slavery and we have freedom. And a lot of words that say circumcision in here as well that we're going to get to. Um, so what is slavery? Let's look at verse 2. Because really 2 through 4, Paul gives us a picture of what slavery looks like. So in this church, there was these Judaizers who were trying to convince this church, these people, that they had to do something plus Jesus to have salvation. But the only way to salvation is Jesus plus nothing. At one point, there was these religious rules and festivals and feasts and these calendars to follow. And here is this picture of circumcision that these people are starting to buy into, that they need this plus Jesus to be free. Here's Paul's response. Look, I, Paul, you see that right there? He is so serious. He says, look, this is Paul talking. You know when you tell your kids, look, daddy's talking right now. Listen to me. That's Paul right now being serious and being firm with these people. Say to you that if you accept circumcision, which is really a religious thing, it's not a bad thing. Listen, it's not an evil thing. What's evil is adding something to the work that Jesus has already done. That's what's evil. And that's what circumcision is right here. It says, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. What you see here, this idea of slavery, the first thing here is that when you're in slavery, you're a debtor to God. You're a debtor to a debt you can't possibly pay. Now hear this. That sounds so good in theory. This idea of being grateful, right? God did all this for me. I'm going to do this in return. It seems so good on the surface, but it's slavery. Because you can't possibly pay back or, or meet God halfway. You can't possibly do that. It would be like Michael Jordan's son trying to be as good as him at basketball. It's impossible. It cannot be done. So he's making sure that they know this is a serious thing. And hear this today. Many of you today and myself, we default to this. Now ours isn't circumcision, but it's other religious activities. It's if we're just faithful to attend a church on Sunday. We've got to raise our kids. We've got to do this right here. If I just do this, I'll be free. And then you do this for a while and it still doesn't work. So either you check out and you try a new thing, or, okay, I'm going to go deeper. 
I'm going to start serving on a team. I know if I serve God, we'll be good then. But you do that after a while, after six months, it's just a job you do on Sunday mornings. And it's not fun many times. And it's, okay, well, this, I, I, I've got to start actually going and serving the homeless downtown with the hub. So I'm going to join the church, and we're going to go serve the homeless. We're going to do this great thing, and we're going to do this, and me and God are going to be even. But then that's just not enough. Your soul is still wrestling. You're still unfulfilled. You say, okay, I've got to be in community. I've got to be around other believers. And I do these religious activities, and we keep doing them and doing them and doing them, and there's nothing there. Because on the surface, we're still paying a debt we can't possibly pay. We are completely in slavery. The other way we're in slavery is we're half in. Look at verse 3. He says, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. What he's saying right here is when you just go for this one religious thing, you're forsaking all the grace you have in Christ Jesus. Because what you're actually saying right there, I don't need that grace. I'm doing this myself. And we pick up that mantle to do it ourselves. We're fully in slavery. So we try to dabble in the gospel and dabble in doing good works on our own, and we're completely in slavery. Verse 4 says this, you are severed from Christ. Those are strong words. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. You who's trying to be, to be the law and to justify yourself. You, this person, you are severed from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. We run away from grace and we run to slavery. And we wonder why we're so unfulfilled. While we read these tremendous things in Scripture... We read about a peace that surpasses all understanding. We read about not worrying. We read about being generous, about being loving. We wonder, where are those things at in my life? Many times the issue today is that you're in complete slavery to religion. Listen, being a part of Covenant Church will do nothing for you except keep you busy apart from Christ Jesus. And I love Covenant Church. But Doing these religious things will just lead to slavery and misery. Listen, slavery is oppressive. Slavery is overwhelming. Slavery is lonely. And as I was praying this week, in my heart, sometimes I fear that we just kind of, we're used to being in slavery. But there's good news. There is good news for us today. There is freedom for us today. There is freedom for you today. There's freedom for me today. Freedom is growing and understanding and learning how to live in the life God has already given you. It's learning how to be the son of, be a son of God. It's that simple. And we need help doing this. We have complete and utter Freedom. And, we, and I have four things of why we have complete freedom today. The first is right here. Your sin is completely paid for. Listen, us as slaves, we have this debt that we could not pay for. 
But our merciful servant king came and paid the price for this debt I can't possibly pay. We feel like we have this big mortgage in our lives, right? We have this house. We'll never pay off our mortgage, right? But I want you to hear this. You will never pay off the sin and the depravity in your life. You will never pay that off. Your only hope is Christ Jesus. Look at Colossians 2, verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. Freedom means you're actually alive. Having forgiven us all our trespasses. Church, hear this. Forgiven all. Forgiven all. We've come here today, and we all have these things in our lives, in our past, even our religious activities. God has forgiven them all. It is wiped clean. It is scandalous how clean we are. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. It is finished. We are free from our sins because Christ paid the price for those sins. That's why we can sing a song like, it is well. Because he made it well. That's why we're here today. So your sin is completely paid for. He paid the debt for you. Imagine if right now I came up to you and I gave you a check and paid all your debt off. I'm not going to do that very clear. I am not going to do that. It will bounce. But if I did that, you would like me a lot, wouldn't you? Can you imagine the freedom you would feel not having that financial debt in your life? Let me tell you this, church. Your spiritual debt is much greater than your financial debt. It's much, much greater. And Christ Jesus has paid it fully. Those demands, that burden, those shackles are gone. There's freedom for you today. So sin is completely paid for. And many times we get this and we think that's okay. Sin is paid for. All that is washed away. Thank you, Jesus. Now it's time for me to go to work. That's still more slavery. That's still you doing the job that only God can do. Look at Philippians 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Here it comes. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Church, hear this. You are free because God is working on your behalf. And I can tell you this right now. There is something supernatural about saying, God, I cannot do this. Being at the complete end of your rope, on your knees, weeping, begging, saying, God, do this, I can't. Because you cannot do this. And I feel like this is the trap that we fall into. And we kind of cover it with confession, with uh, let's do this, let's do this. And we, we, we take this mantle that only God and Christ can handle. And we start working out of our own power and working of our own power. And we look up and we've lost the gospel. We've lost our freedom. We've lost our joy. God works in you. He is the father on his hands and knees 
delighting and working and in you. Does that make sense? He is not the mean father like I could be sometimes saying do this or else. He is near and he's at work in your life. So we have freedom because he paid for our sins. We have freedom because he's working on our behalf. But also, we have freedom because death no longer stings. Death no longer stings. As Christians, we don't fear death. You understand that? As Christians, we don't have to fear these things anymore. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't fear death anymore. Jesus Christ gave us that victory. We're just sitting here, and we're just living in the joy of what he's already done. We are free. And here's what that means. We're free to live bold, crazy lives because we're not afraid of death. We're not hoarding all of our stuff. We're not overly concerned with protecting ourselves. We are going out to the last, the lost, and the least, to dangerous places because we don't fear death. The early church thrived on this. They lived in this. When there was sickness and plagues, people ran out, Christians ran in. And somewhere along the way, at least in, in America, that has been switched in our churches. All we think about is protecting ourselves, protecting our morals, protecting our ways. Jesus Christ has accomplished all this. We are free from those shackles. We are free. So we're free because he paid for our sin. We're free as he works on our behalf. We're free because death no longer stings. But we're also free because we've been adopted into God's family. Look at Galatians 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Once again, hit that receive. You didn't achieve adoption. You received adoption. Does that make sense? We have to begin to learn to fight not just these sins of things we know are wrong, like being angry and lustful and greedy. We have to fight the sin of achievement and believe in receiving what God has already done. Does that make sense? Let's keep going. And because you were sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Hear this, friends. You are no longer a slave, but a son and if a son, then an heir through God. We are children of the king of the universe. What in the world do we have to worry about? If you're a child of Bill Gates, you wouldn't be concerned about money. Would you? <laughs> and I know that sounds cheesy, but how much more riches are there in Christ Jesus? That's why in Matthew 6 he says, look at the birds in the air. Look at the grass in the field. He takes care of all these things. How much more will he take care of his children? So today, 
This week, I imagine there has been worry in your life. Let me tell you this. If you're a child of the king, you are free. You are free to not worry. You are free to trust. God will take care of us, even in the midst of unimaginable trials and suffering. God will be near. God will provide. God will take care of us. So how do we continue to live in our freedom? So we've been given this freedom in Christ Jesus. And if you're walking with, with, with us, the church, how do we as a church continue to walk and live in this freedom? Or maybe for you, you have never actually experienced or received or trusted in the work of Jesus Christ for your sins. This is how we receive, how we continue to live in this freedom. We stand firm by faith. We stand firm by faith. This idea of stand firm is we don't, we don't waver, we don't lean, we don't move towards our own righteousness. Many times we think we don't waver, we don't waver towards sin. And we, we don't do that either. But we don't waver towards ourselves. We don't waver towards our own righteousness. We, we stand firm by faith. Look at verse 1 here. It says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm Therefore, stand firm in your freedom. Don't leave it. Don't ignore it. Don't try to add to it, but stand firm in your freedom. Verse 5. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. By faith. Faith that Jesus accomplished all this for you on the cross. Stand firm in that. Stand firm that Jesus accomplished this on the cross for you fully. You are free. Stand firm, therefore. You cling to the fact that Jesus has done this for us. And sometimes I feel like we think that um, if we truly embrace this freedom in Christ Jesus, that if the church does this, we're going to be off somewhere. Listen to this quote I read this week. It's from Warren Wiersbe. Legalists in our churches today warn that we dare not teach people about the liberty we have in Christ, lest it result in religious anarchy. The Christian who lives by faith is not going to become a rebel. Quite the contrary. He is going to experience the inner discipline of God that is far better than the outer discipline of man-made rules. As you trust in the work of Jesus, God will do a work in you and then through you. But we have to first trust. We have to first stand firm. We have to first remove ourselves from slavery and be free. So we stand firm by faith. And second and last thing, how do we continue to live in freedom? We freely love others. Look at uh, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Going further in verse 13, it says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Once we realize 
how completely and utterly free we are. At that point, we are free not to worry. We are free not to be fearful. We're free to not be concerned. We're free to then love. We're free then to pursue because we're not worried about all these things that God has already taken care of. Listen, the mission of God, the mission of God is hard. It is so hard. It's impossible when we come into it as slaves. But when we come into it as free children of God, and we freely love others and freely pursue others, God will work. There'll be hard days. You'll be exhausted, but you'll go to bed full of joy and freedom in your heart at the work that God is doing. And so church today, as I've screamed for the past 30 minutes at you, here is my heart for us today. Forsake slavery. Trust in Christ for our freedom. He's paid for your sin. He's at work in your life. He's defeated death. And he will take care of you as a child of God. We have nothing to worry about. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to accomplish and nothing to earn. We are utterly and completely free. And that's why we gather. We gather to remind each other of our freedom in Christ. Not to do better, but that we have freedom. And we're going to take communion here. And this is the ultimate picture of freedom, right? It's the body and the blood that was shed for us. Not that we earned, not that we found, not that we did, that Christ freely gave to us. So as we take the meal of the church, we take it saying we are free. And here's my challenge for you today. If you are not ready to, to, to submit and to trust and to confess at your self-righteousness, don't take this meal today. This is a meal for the free children of God. So before we partake in this, pause, reflect, confess, repent. You might, you might need to find somebody and pray with them today. But before we partake in this meal of freedom, Let's let God do a work in our hearts. Pray with me. Dear Lord, for freedom you have set us free. Forgive us, Lord, for continuing to put on these shackles and to go back into slavery, Father. Father, reveal to us right now where there is sin, where there is self-righteousness. Father, move in our hearts today. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.